It's Sunday, October 11th, 2015, and you're listening to a special live Q&A edition of Roll Up and Die. It's in the frackin' ship! Happy... Wait, what day is it? Saturday, gamers! Welcome to the Brigade Con 2015 Roll Up and Die live podcast Q&A session 20,000 2K other stuff. My name is Barker, and you're at uh, Be A Better Game Master, this YouTube channel. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Welcome to Brigade Con 2015. If you're here for the first time, uh, fantastic. If you're one of us... Uh, veterans, and you're here for the second time, then welcome back. Um, uh, first off, before we get started, go to brigadecon.org. Uh, Child's Play Charity is what this whole convention is all about. So you can buy t-shirts, you can donate directly to Child's Play. Basically, we're helping kids, uh, a lot of whom have terminal illnesses, a lot of which have terminal illnesses, and um, and they get games, they get things that are... that science has actually shown helps them get better and at the very least helps them feel better when they're in these hospitals. Um, I I think it started with Seattle Children's Hospital. I think it's migrated to other hospitals, but really, let's rock and roll and help some kids by gaming. Uh, But without further ado, this is the Roll Up and Die Q&A. So we have three different places for you to ask questions. We have uh, the Roll Up and Die Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. We have the Q&A app here uh, on this video. On your YouTube screen, you should see like a little join the conversation thing on the bottom. If you click on that, you'll, um, you'll be brought to the, the, the Q&A app or a place where you can ask questions. Also, if you post your question in the comments of the YouTube video, we'll get to it. Uh, I'd prefer the Q&A app, but we're flexible. Also, Carrier Pigeon is Alex's direct means of communication with the outside world other than Google Hangouts. So, um, so uh, let's get started. Again, my name is Barker. You know me. Uh, <laughs> Captain Gothnog, go ahead. Yeah, Captain Gothnog. Uh, I have a, a YouTube uh, thingy as well. <laughs> so you can you can see me there, and you can obviously catch all of us on, uh, on the Roll Up and Die podcast, which is... Uh, uh, released every Sunday, barring uh, disasters and or uh, uh, brain hemorrhages. And, uh, yeah. We've, we've only had a few brain hemorrhages, just a few. So. Yeah. Relatively minor ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I am Matt. I run the channel A Fistful of Dice, uh, and I'm a quarter of Absolute Tabletop. <coughs> And I'm I'm I've been awake for 26 hours, so let's do this. Sweet. Yeah, me too. I've been awake for about 26 hours straight. Nah, don't I've really toughed it out. <laughs> I just got up a short. I, I just got up a short time ago, so I'm, we I'm were supposed to have a slumber party, Barker, and you <laughs> fell asleep. I did. I went out on the couch Is and it? I was like, I'm just gonna watch two episodes of Trevor Noah and The Daily Show. And instead, I watched like a weird dream I had with Velociraptors, yeah. and woke up and found like 19 messages on my uh, on my my messenger. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I yeah. dipped your hands into warm water. <laughs> you can't do my... It's a slumber party, man. That's, and you peed your pants. 
That's what you do. That's what you do. Uh, immediately, uh, first question, how old are you guys? None of your business, man. Uh well, our, our I, combined age is somewhere in the in the hundreds, but I I, I kind of blow that bell curve for you guys. In the hundreds? <laughs> no. I don't know. No. I'm, well, Wait, I'll, be, I'll be I'll be fifty this year, or next year. You don't look a day over thirty-seven. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> it's the locks. <laughs> it's it's the it's the hair, man. It's the souls of the people you kill. Uh, you can see their skulls. Their skulls behind. in the background there. Show them the little skull. Oh, yeah. A little tiny skull. That was just a small soul. That was like a 24 hours. Yeah, it was, it was just a really annoying pixie. And, yeah. Uh, skinny was a bitch. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 29. 27. So, Matt's a baby. You know what? No matter how old you are, people will tell you you're just a baby. <clears throat> you're just a baby. It was, I... that, is, that is over 100 between all of us. It is, yeah, it is. Um, I said I said that um, I was talking about BrigadeCon yesterday with somebody, and I said, um, you know, I'm going to try and pull an all-nighter and stay up through the entire convention, but I am a lot older and a lot fatter than I was the last time I tried to stay up all night. And the guy and the guy said, uh, oh, you're you're you know you're just a uh, you're just a baby. Try being 48. And I said. 27 is the 48 of your 20s. And I like that is just the truest thing that I've ever said. <laughs> and also the most absurd. That's the most absurd thing you've ever said? No. And then he responded with, well, 48 is the 48 of your 40s. So I was like, man, I can't argue with you there. 48 is the 48 of your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So we are actually a, a, an RPG podcast. So um, do you guys want to jump into this first RPG-related question that we have? Yeah, let's I do would it. like that. Okay, cool. Tips for building suspense when describing monsters. Well, that's all we got. Good night, folks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How's that for suspense? That was awesome. Um, yeah, boom. Building suspense and answering yeah. questions. I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm I a big fan of not just explicitly saying what a monster is, but yeah. describing it. And, you know, if you're playing with experienced uh, role players, a lot of the time they'll know, oh, it's a goblin, or it's a kobold, or it's a mm -hmm. beholder, or whatever. But um, just describing the features, and not only the features of the creature, but what makes it different. You know, what sorts of scars or weapons is it carrying that, that might set it apart mm -hmm. uh, from similar creatures. Yeah. Another, another good tip is if you look at movies, one thing they they like to do a lot is uh, at least the good movies is you never get either catch only glimpses of it or you never get to see it until the very end. Mm -hmm. So if if you can if you can hint at it little bits and pieces, you know, if they can find footprints of it, they find remains left by it, they find claw marks on a on a on a tree or door or something left by it, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know little little hints like that to kind of build up to it. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you can make it where the thing, yeah, yeah, something, something they can, you know, <laughs> you find you find a uh, uh, a a great one would be, uh, you find this great helm that's just been crushed like a tin can, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I don't, yep. we're gonna meet what did that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's good advice. 
a solid tip also if you're looking for something you know to to really uh, kind of focus on when you're prepping is uh, just try describing the way like a monster if you're doing a monster try just describing the way it smells sounds and uh, uh, what what's the other sense I'm thinking <laughs> it's try, try just yeah, well, try describing things that are not the way it looks before describing the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Like, if you describe the smell or the sound it's making yep. Yep. or anything like that, and then you start leading up, and then you show them the monster. I mean, that's that's a cinematic strategy that, that movies use all the time. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you can, and 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 in a pinch, you can always have the the, the crazy old guy who who tells them about the monster beforehand. You know, mm. if you th- if you think of the, the the speech that Quint gave about sharks, you know, it's like, you know, the eyes don't look like they're living, look like a doll's eyes until they they bite you, and they, their eyes roll over white. You know? Roll over white. Jaws. Jaws, bro. Oh, I've seen Jaws, but yeah. I, oh, I've seen Jaws, but I was like eight years old, and it was at a pool party. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Dude, that's the best way to watch Jaws. Dude, I got out of the water so fast. Yeah, I, I bet again. you did. <laughs> was it like 15 minutes into the movie? <laughs> but yeah, you can you can you can foreshadow it in all sorts of ways, and and any one of those is just going to help build the tension for it if you just really lay it on, so that by the time they meet this thing, they're they're just you know uh, paranoid as hell. Exactly. Can we send Barker empty bottles to knock over at the end of the podcast? <laughs> It, actually, you know what? That might be a good idea. You might want to do that because... Uh, hey, Barker, you're talking about fire? Because I'm seeing lots of smoke over there. And... No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. This is, this is, this is what happens when I... Smoke going off yet. Yeah, this, is what I, this is what happens when I use the internet. It's my modem. <laughs> 300 baud modem. Hang on, just yeah, let, me, really let, me, it. let me do a few cranks here. Get some more power to it. <laughs> Fire extinguisher every once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but actually, no, I know I quit drinking a while ago, so now it's all plastic bottles, which are not as fulfilling. They're not and as aluminum. satisfying. Yeah. yeah, aluminum is kind of yeah. But so yeah, if you send me bottles, I'll 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 drop them for you on a live podcast. Actually, I will. I'll do yeah. that. Uh, do we have a question on the Facebook page or on the comments? Uh, not yet. Okay. Oh, also, if you press the plus one button on any question that you like, yeah. you you should do that because that's <clears throat> we'll get to it first. That's right. Matt, how do you introduce a villain without your players killing them off? Uh, give just don't have the villain die. Uh, give the villain a way out. Like just because your villain hits zero hit points doesn't necessarily mean that he's dead and out of the campaign. Um, have your villain like make your villain smart enough to have a way out. You know, if they if they fail in their plan, they're not going to have, you know, no contingency. So, give them a mount, give them a spell, give them an item, um, have them uh, not directly fight the players right off the bat is a good way of doing it. Um, very few villains would sort of single-handedly take on the party right away. So. Uh, introduce the villain, much like we were just talking about with a monster. Show signs of them. Uh, we actually just talked about this in a podcast not that long ago. Show the the effects of the villain before you show yeah. the villain. 
Yeah, I think that's odd. Yeah, that's it. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to introduce this awesome villain. So at the very end of this cave that the characters are going through, I'm going to put the villain there. And it's like, dude, the villain's not going to be able to get out. You yeah. know there's going to be a fight to the death here. And your villain's probably going to be the one to die. And if that's not the case, that's a bad thing. If that yeah. is the case, that's a bad thing. So, exactly. like Matt said. Um, how do you guys come up with PCs that don't feel like cardboard cutouts? We don't. <laughs> I've, I've found that I jump into games and I think I've got an okay character and it feels two-dimensional when compared to other players. Any tips? Uh, I'm going to jump into this one. Actually, I have some pretty awesome books and I don't plug a lot of items here, but um, basically, this is called the Emotion Thesaurus. <clears throat> I also have a book called the Positive Trait Thesaurus and the Negative Trait Thesaurus. Mm -hmm. And basically, like for example, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just having that brain hemorrhage. In my throat. Uh, if I look, uh, if I open the book, and it has a bunch of different, you know, emotions, and one says like enthusiastic, uh, you know, and it'll say like possible causes of being enthusiasm, ADHD, being free spirited, curiosity, etc. And my favorite part though is these associated behaviors um, that your NPC, if they're enthusiastic, they'll be speaking rapidly, they'll be acting without thought, they'll be agreeing without always thinking things through, like tangible things you can have your NPCs through to show instead of tell. Uh, instead of saying, oh, this NPC seems enthusiastic, you can say, yeah, he seems to be agreeing with everything you're saying. You know, really excitedly. Um, now, I'm not necessarily saying you have to go out and buy these books, uh, and I don't know who wrote them personally, so I'm not, like, getting anything from it. But <laughs> if you have some sort of thing that you can go to, uh, a book, uh, a dictionary, a... Uh, a website like uh, is it Don John, like any of these, any inspirational tool that you can use, yeah. um, including like a novel that you're reading. I, um, uh, you know, if if some if a, if a character in a novel does something interesting that uh, kind of makes you think, oh man, I want to put that as a characteristic of one of my NPCs or my PCs, um, then you. Uh, do that. You know, use the things around you as inspiration to make your PCs not, like you said, cardboard cutouts. I don't think there's anything wrong with having them cardboard cutouts either because that's how, that's how they're going to start anyway with, until you get to know it. So as you get to know your character more, just add to it. You know, just keep throwing stuff in and eventually it's, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flush them out. And keep in mind too that other people, when they look at your character, are going to be filling in blanks of their own. Like, you could just put in some kind of mysterious gesture like, you know, I, 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 you know, he constantly, you know, scratches his head, or, um, and he, or he has a tick, or, or has a limp, or whatever. And these are just little throwaway details you can put in. But then people who are watching that be like, oh, that character has such depth. I wonder why he does that, you know. And 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 then you're gonna, they're gonna start to fill in things that, yeah, you know, that you don't necessarily have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think too that like. Um don't worry so much about what other people at the table are doing. Like, don't mm -hmm. don't feel like other play. Uh, like, don't feel like you're competing for coolest character at the table. Like, that's something that new players fall into. It's like one upping each other, trying to be the mm -hmm. coolest or most unique <laughs> character at the table. And it's like, no, just have fun and collaborate and interact with each other. And um, uh, Nate from WASD Twenty just wrote an awesome article over at Tabletop Terrors where he talks about. Uh, your D&D &D character being the familiar stranger, uh, playing a character that is unlike yourself but also has aspects of yourself so that yeah. you're both able to relate to that character and also 
able to discover new things about them. So um, definitely go check out that for mm -hmm. a really easy way, a really easy strategy for creating fun and unique characters. Uh, kind of a, another thing, check out the panels at BrigadeCon right now. Yeah. I mean, they're uh, basically yeah. the panels really kicked <laughs> off now. There are a lot of different panels happening between now and midnight Eastern. I'm in one at 4 p.m. Eastern that's mm -hmm. called Sanity Check, which is basically psychological tropes for your RPGs. The entire thing is going to be about making your characters more realistic. So, yep. um, yeah, check that if you're out if you're interested. Yep, and even if you miss them, they're going to be on, they're going to be recorded, so you can always oh, uh, yeah. go back. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Rob Davis had a question on our, on the Facebook on the brigade. Oh. He said, "Why is it that Barker hasn't seen? Why is it? Why is it the Barker? Why is it there are so many big movies Barker hasn't seen? Well, there aren't so many big movies that Barker hasn't seen. There are a lot of big '80s movies that Barker hasn't seen because his father raised him right on the '60s and '70s movies uh, and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, but yeah, that's that's why." And yeah, and when I, when I'm watching a movie with my wife, like we're not like, oh, we should watch Predator, you know. Well, I I might be like, oh, we should watch Predator, and then she'd be like, eh, let's maybe not do that. Let's watch a different movie. That's usually what happens. But it won't be as good as Predator, so no. <laughs> it won't be as good as Predator. Uh, I'm, you know, I feel like part of me wants to wait until I'm like up in Milton, Matt, and watch it with you. You just uh, sit, uh, have a, a slumber party. Yeah, and I'll fall so asleep. you can fall asleep during Predator. <laughs> like, Barker, wake up. This is the part where Arnold fights the Predator. Wake up. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Arnold fights the Predator. Oh, uh, spoiler alert. At some point, they have to get to a helicopter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Really have to. Exactly. Apparently. Like, it's a really important thing. It is. But do they? We don't know. But do they? But why? But why? What's the... What's the... <laughs> do you ever have townsfolk use different names for creatures and beasts? Like uh, Kevin Smith talking about Superman lives and he renamed a giant spider a snare beast. I've never done that. You guys? Uh, I can't think of any specific examples, but I do. I do like that idea. Um, yeah. I mean, that is that is true in our own world where animals and plants and even cities <laughs> and people are called different things depending on mm -hmm. where you are. So, I mean, even pop is called pop and soda and. Coke, you know, in different places yeah. of, of our country. So, um, you know, thinking about uh, how people would perceive different animals and things like that uh, yeah. would be would be good. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall if I've ever done it with monsters, except maybe that if it had a proper name, like, you know, the troll at the end of town is is uh, uh, Flagrog or whatever his name is. You know, they know him as that. Um, what I do do it with, though, is, is deities. Because, mm. uh, you know, again, just like... Just like here, you know, uh, deities around the world have, you know, going to have different. They may be, they may have been derived from the same point, but have different names. You know, uh, classic example is the Greek and the Roman pantheon. So, <clears throat> you know, over here they call this this deity this name, and over here they call it this name. So, um, I do it with that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and Moves. different different historical figures and different folklore <laughs> figures in your in your world as well would like uh there's a there's a character in my world named Eros and in certain parts of the world he's called Eros the Reclaimer, but then in other parts he's called mm -hmm. Eros the Ruiner because like there's you know they perceive his deeds right. quite differently. So yeah, yeah, Alexander the Great was named the Great by the Romans. You know, yeah. not by the people who <laughs> 
conflict with. Like, yeah. Alexander <laughs> the asshole was actually yeah, the one I was going to say. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> hey, question, Gothnog. I have a question for you. Yeah. That lantern behind you is there? An, is there a cord coming out of that? No, no. It's it's a uh, it's real fire. You see, real fire. What? I know. I, have I just fire. I love I just love your home. I want to live in there. I just love the the dichotomy between the the actual lantern and the skulls, and then the the copy machine, and the sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am a big fan of of, uh, of the mixing the old and the new. Like yeah. it, my my ideal house would be a castle, with like you know with full internet access and a and a you know computer station and iPads and walls. <laughs> but but ha- but have it in, inside this old looking cabinet that you have to open up. Yeah. And, then, and there's a computer the you know, station in there. I love that. Man. <laughs> you pull the the right book. <laughs> right. <laughs> to reset the router. Exactly. <laughs> to reset the router. <laughs> Oh, that got me good. Question, sir. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, I always no, find no. it difficult to describe combat and avoiding becoming just a bunch of dice tossing. Any ideas? Oh, dude. Do we have ideas? Do we have ideas? Lots. Uh, watch action movies, watch kung fu movies, watch, you know, uh, John Wick, watch Dread, watch the Matrix movies, look at how they move and what they do, and then just rip off those ideas in in your own game. Um, that's where the biggest inspiration for narrating combat comes for me, is is movies and TV shows. Yeah, and, and not every attack has to be this 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 big dramatic thing mm-hmm. either. You know, you can you can you know it can just be a little quick thing, and then you know on the final blow that that kills whatever it is, then you then you do the big wrap up sort of uh, description of you know I, I I somersault through the air, flip over his head, bring the dagger down into the top of it, and you know uh, do a, a three point landing or something. Yeah. <laughs> triple triple lutz in the air with my sword. Pull right. smoke off your wands. <laughs> yeah. No, that is true, though, is that, that you can totally overdo combat narration to the point where it's like, dude, you'd be passing out from how much you're moving around. It's like sometimes right, right. it is just parry, faint, stab, and you miss, you know, or something like that. So don't feel like every turn needs to be, like, you know, some crazy Bruce Lee action, you know, sequence. It, it can be just simple things, but just uh, a good way to do it, too, is to think about uh, what other players are doing, and involve that in your in your description. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I duck under, you know, my ally's sword as he swings, and bring my shield up to block an axe that's coming at him, or something like that. You know, that's like that's a good yeah. way of doing it too. Mm-hmm. What you might consider doing also is spending one session at the beginning, just tell your players, all right, today we're not using dice. We're not using any dice today. Mm-hmm. If I ask you what you do, I want you to narrate everything you do, including killing the goblins. You know, stat. Uh, firing the spell at the kobolds. Tell me how it hits. If it hits, tell me if you miss. Like, just narrate everything. And that seems really strange for a lot of people. But if you try that once, it might give you an idea of how much narration you want. And Mm -hmm. then you add dice as needed instead of adding dice and then trying to add narration on top of that. Exactly. A fun way to twist it around sometimes, too, is um, have the the player narrate uh, what happens to them when they get hit. Yeah. So, you know, the orc hits them. And say, okay, well, what happens to you? 
you know, and have them describe it from that perspective. Not only is it is it kind of cool because most of the time the, the the player will make it a lot worse than you could ever do to them, and uh, uh, and it also gives them a different perspective on the combat. So that can be fun. Exactly. Yeah. Good tip. Uh, just got a question, a uh, personal question, asking where are we taking the questions for all the answers. Again, we're taking them in the Q&A app, uh, three, one of three places, the Q&A app, which you can click on in your YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. It should say join the conversation. Uh, also in the YouTube, well, I like the Q&A app. That's where I've gone to most of the time. Um, so that, that's what I prefer. But also we have a, a post on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash die, and we'll take them in the YouTube uh, comments as well. So, um, But so far we've taken all of them from the Q&A app. Um, <clears throat> how do, okay, Matt, I want you to take this one if, that's, if this is okay. Uh, how do you plot out a session for time, as in how do you get everything you want the PCs to do in a few hours? And I think Matt's rule of three things is like mm. my go-to there. Yeah, I, I, I try to include uh, three major sort of scenes or milestones, uh, leaving enough breathing room for improv and stuff like that. And honestly, if the stuff, if if the players really latch onto something and role play a bunch or spend a lot of time doing something and we don't get everything done, it's not the end of the world. I've had multiple sessions of the provokers that I've chopped in half and like, because they just role play so much. And so, uh, cause don't, we won't shut the fuck up is what he's yeah, trying exactly. to say. Yeah, exactly. Just don't Marker worry about singing. it as much. And I know, I know, I know with one shots, that's not as easy to say, don't worry about time because with a one shot, you're trying to fit it into yeah. one thing. So, um, prep to improv. Like, prepare mm-hmm. yourself to improv and just have the milestones that you that you want to happen. Uh, would be my advice. Yeah, like you said, it's it's very different um, doing a one shot. If you're doing a campaign or you know multiple sessions, then I don't usually think of it. I don't worry about it. I just uh, you know, like you said, you have the you have plot points, but if like you said, if they don't hit them. They don't hit them. Yeah, for sure. Ask yourself, always ask yourself, like, uh, what happens if the characters fail on this die roll? Or what happens if they don't do this thing? And if the answer is, holy crap, I have no idea what happens if they skip it, then you know, definitely include that in your prep and definitely include yeah. that as something, either include that as something that they're definitely going to go through or reevaluate your session because it might be a little bit too railroady for some players. A lot of players mm-hmm. kind of like the, the railroad though, especially for a one shot. Yeah. And also like, uh, don't be upset if you have a bunch prepped and you only get through a quarter or half of it because you can always use it later. Like those ideas yeah. aren't going anywhere. You can repurpose them. I always take ideas that never worked out, didn't work out or <clears throat> I didn't use. And I just like a month a year later, I just use them again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and, and don't be afraid to ask the players. You know, what would you, you know, either be, either before or after the session, what do you guys think of the pacing? You know, or and if they want quicker pacing, then if they start to get bogged down, you can kind of, you know, poke them a little bit and say, you know, uh, all right, well, uh, you know, <laughs> let's let's uh, move on to this somehow. You know. So this one wasn't at the top of the list, but I really want to answer it. What's your <laughs> What's your RPG pet peeve? Everyone knows what that is. My immediate one is um, when 
at the beginning of the game, when the players, and it's so difficult to get around this, but when the characters, when you go through the whole characters meeting each other, describing each other, figuring out, oh, are we going to go on the mission? Are we not going to? Are we going to, like, playing out that whole thing for an hour? Because <laughs> instead of having, you know, as a DM, instead of just putting them in the, right in the freaking in media res, making, you know, like Alex's, uh, super awesome analogy of, you know, put them in a cart that's headed toward a cliff. That's where they start the game, you know, and then let them meet each other afterwards. But even after that happens, I hate the whole characters meeting each other type of thing. I hate how long that takes, and I have no idea how to get past that, but that's uh, that's my pet peeve. <laughs> my, my pet peeve is uh, other players or the dungeon master... Um, Acting like the ideas or actions of someone at the table is, are dumb. Uh, mm. Like, you, you know, if someone says, um, I'd like to try doing this, and, and the person at the table goes, okay, you know, like, all right, you know, and they, they have like a like a yeah. weird scoffing sort of personality. I played with a lot of people like that, and it always really rubs me the wrong way, because it's like, you know what, they're trying to be creative and contribute, even if it is sort of like a uh, idea, let's see what happens. Like, it can only be like you know, fun, whatever happens, you know? So that always bothers me when people are sort of, uh, sort of talk down or, or act like other people at the table's ideas aren't as good. Hmm. Uh, I guess for me, it would be just, uh, apathy <laughs> on the, on the part of the players. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if, if, a, if a player is just sitting there and, and just not participating, you know, not getting in there and, and, you know, uh, in, I've had, I've had, you know, cases in, in, uh, a live game where, uh, you know, someone takes the time to like, they're, they're doing stuff on a computer or an iPad or whatever, and they're just, you know, not paying any attention. They're like, oh, what, huh? Uh, what is my turn? <laughs> it's like, you know, are you here or no? You know, <laughs> I mean, don't, um, I, I, I love the, the, the more proactive, you know, people who are so excited to play. That they just, you know, they 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 want to get it on their turn as quick, you know. I want to do this, you know, and, and they just want to have fun, and it just seems like, um, uh, yeah, that just apathy bothers me. <laughs> it seems to be too much of that. Yeah, exactly. Especially with, do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and and a lot, you know, I can't expect you can't expect your players to remember everything you tell them, but oh, part no. of that is like when you tell them something really important a few times, and they just for some reason they'll just like. What is that? What what are we? Do? Why are we in this cave again? And it's like, man, come on! Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, maybe that's yeah. sort of apathy, but also it could be a DM issue. But well, that's not yeah. here. We can talk about them. <laughs> or not? <laughs> do you see what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when Matt's not on the podcast? We go to pieces. <laughs> what do we do? What are we gonna say, Alex? Sorry. Um. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's gonna happen to everyone once in a while. You have a bad, you have a bad day. You, you know, you're not, you're just not as into it for some reason, and that, and that's fine. It happens, but you know, it, it, <clears throat> if it's just all the time, this person just doesn't want to participate. And you gotta, I, I, one thing. Okay, this, this is more a specific pet peeve. When I have to ask the the players, what do you do? You know, I want them so excited about playing that they tell that they just they, they can't wait to tell me what they're doing. You know, you know, if I have to sit there and and, and I'm looking at, you know, I, I finish, I finish a narration. It's clear that it's ended, and and everyone's just kind of staring at me. What do you do? <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, 
I hate having to say that. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's you know being a better player too. Take this advice if you're a player in your game or one of your games. Um, be like take take your agency and run with it. Like, yeah. You know, play off of and and if you're like, oh, I'm so bad at improv improvising. You know, a lot of people are, but a good way, a good trick for that is listen to what other players are doing. Listen to what you know the GM described to you, and just do something with that. Don't make something up from scratch. But if if another character says, you know, I I I have a cape and I flip it over my shoulder in a very flamboyant way. Make it so it like knocks your hair a little bit. Like describe that. It's just a tiny thing that keep gets the conversation moving, um, and that that makes it so much easier to uh, drive even a, a storyline or plot forward for sure. Mm-hmm. I suppose we could we could be a bit more positive and turn it around now and say what 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 are the things we really do like. Oh yeah, <laughs> just that's a, just a, just a, and and you just touched on it, which made me think of it, which is uh, I love players just taking player agency and running with it. I love when they they just add little things to their background of their character, you know, just uh, you know, completely improv it off off the cuff, you know. Talks they start talking about their brother and and how he died when when they were children, and he just runs off this whole little story while they're sitting around the campfire. And that's just I love that stuff. It's 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 great. It adds to the character. It uh, you know pulls everyone into it. it. Adds richness to your world as a GM. So they're doing you a favor. <laughs> you know, by creating this town that you didn't have exist before. Well, now it does, so you write it down. <laughs> you know, I, I love uh, the, uh, you know, proactive players who just, you know, just uh, thrive on that player agency. For sure. Matt, what's something, what's the opposite of your pet peeve? What's something you really like? The opposite <clears throat> The opposite of my pet peeve would probably be um, uh, players... Uh, what am I trying to say? Like engaging other players at the table without DM prompting. So mm-hmm. like a player just out of the blue saying, Hey, so like, I've never uh, heard about your family. Like are, are your parents still alive? And they, they just kind of start talking to each other. And um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a nice thing where uh, it's interaction and collaboration happening at the table without the DM having to prompt or prod them into doing that. Um, and whenever that kind of happens, when that sort of thing happens where the DM can kind of just sit back and watch and enjoy um, is always really rewarding for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Mine is probably when a player approaches a game with the mentality of party story first, character story second. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mean that in like, a, you know, whatever, what the GM wants us to do first. What I mean is that if you have four people in your party and they all want to be super special snowflakes and they all want to be the star of their own movie, <laughs> then... Like in my experience, that that ends poorly more often than not, and it's just it's not fun. It's not fun for the players. It's not fun for me as a DM. I love it when when the players approach it like, oh, I'm interested in these character stories too, and I want to make my yeah. character interested in their stories. So then it kind of builds. Not only does that build like a party camaraderie, but mm-hmm. it also makes it way cooler <laughs> when the party succeeds. Yep, absolutely. It's interesting how all three of those kind of tie together too. <laughs> they yeah. all uh, uh, interrelate. What did you do during a game as GM that you most regret, and did you learn from it? <clears throat> this is Mini Terrain Domain, who actually uh, did sculpting from Goblin uh, of the uh, Fast Kill, a goblin in our Goblin Go Karts supplement on AbsoluteTabletop.com. <laughs> he made it like in like two days. It was awesome. Uh, but yeah, um, 
What do you most regret, and did you mm-hmm. learn from it? I have an answer in the holster. If you, I, I want you guys to go first, though, if you guys have something prepped. I have, I have a ton of them. Is that, yeah, is that, again, I've been, gaming, I've been gaming for a lot of years, so, I mean, uh, uh, I, I would say at least half of the things I did when I was jamming in high school, <laughs> I did terribly and I learned from it. So, yeah, I mean... Um, Name one. Uh, let me think. I guess... Um, He's like dating my player. Yeah, in no. high school. It was dramatic. No, no, I never get Flipping the table over. I imagine Goth <laughs> Noggin as part of like some sort of click. Uh, yeah, I, 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 well, I guess the the the. Um, hmm. I got I got to think about that. Uh, I'll get okay. back to you. <laughs> uh, mine would is easy. Um, that, this is shamefully more recent. Actually, I mean, I think it happened probably about four years ago, and. Um, I was running a a fourth edition game. This was a kind of a season two of the one of the best campaigns I've ever run. Season two wasn't very good, but uh, it was uh, I, w- I was super. I, I we didn't really like fourth edition that much, but I was super into running the game like the book said it should be run. And I had a kid. I call him a kid. He was my age at the time. So his name was Corey, and he he wanted to play in the game. This was his first time ever playing a role playing game. And I was so excited, and he he just had that new role player's light in his eyes. Like, that person you know they love role playing, and they've never found it until now, and they're like, oh my god, this is amazing, I can do anything. And they're having this huge fight in this forest, and... Uh, he's like, all right, I want to, I want to jump off the tree. I want to slide down the vine. I want to land on top of this, this enemy. I want to bash him in the head with my foot. And so I, in fourth edition mindset, you know, or in any mechanics mindset, I thought, okay, cool. So what power would that be? Like, and I'm looking at his character abilities because fourth edition was big on these power cards. And so I said, mm-hmm. well, I guess that would be the melee attack card. And, uh, and he was like, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, I'll do that. And the next turn, when I asked him what he did, he looked at his cards and said, oh, I'm going to do this ability. And Ooh. immediately, I just knew it right away. I was like, I've fucked this guy up for role-playing. Like, this, I, I totally <laughs> ruined his experience. I might have ruined him forever. It was, and it was, uh, what I learned from that is fun first, then rules. 100%. Yeah. Watch action movies and make your game feel like an action movie before it feels like a board game. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, awesome. Awesome should always come first. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I remember. I remembered mine. It was uh, 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 the the. I used to, I used to railroad way too much because because at the time I was running uh, adv- adventure modules a lot. I hadn't really uh, started making my own adventures from scratch. I mean, I've changed them a little bit, but for the most part, I was running you know packaged adventures and. Uh, there were there were a couple times where I, um, where I felt something had to happen for the story, and so it you know I, I really hard railroad railroaded the characters into it. It was kind of it was kind of the uh, kind of like those dungeons where no matter which way you go you're gonna end up in that room, kind of thing. And uh, you know I, I to, to to this day I just I just I. I I've kind of got, I've kind of swung the pendulum in the opposite direction where I I'm I'm so opposed to railroading that can get me in trouble sometimes by not giving the players enough direction. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's I was way too railroaded. That was probably my biggest uh 
my biggest sin from the past. <laughs> it's a common DM problem, like early DMing, right? I, I, yeah. I feel like, I'm, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like that everybody goes through that when you first start because you're like, oh, I'm going to create this game for these players. Well, yeah. And then we all approach that same exact feeling when a player's like, oh, I want to go this way instead. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> Say that again? Slower? <laughs> Well, say because you're excited too, because you're new to it. So you're like, "Yeah, I, I, I want this to happen. This will be, this will look so cool." And then they don't do it. They, like, uh, you gotta do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you just you're like, "All right, well, I'll take that and I'll put it over here where you're going." Ha! Ah, you can't get away from it. The world moves. I want this to be cool. You're in the cube, <laughs> right? Chug your beers. <laughs> I love coffee. Matt, did you talk about your? No, I didn't. I was I was yeah. having a like a PTSD flashback over it. Um, <laughs> like the camera's like zooming in on my face. And it's just like... Single tear. Oh, darkness, my old friend. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I... A lot of my regrets are... Um, involve the metagame. Uh, and letting letting problem players get away with too much uh, when I was first starting out and honestly up until like the last three or four years um, letting people hog the spotlight um, letting people slip under the radar and not feel involved letting people uh, have bring animosity and outside drama to the table um, and all of these things were, Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, like that 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 falls under the the responsibilities of a of a game master is to make sure mm. that that stuff doesn't affect the game, and um, I just wasn't in a in a place of of confidence uh, where I could step in and make sure that that wasn't happening. And so uh, when I like when I lay awake at night and I'm like I think about the time that I called that woman the wrong name in front of everybody. And then I think about all of the times that I regret from like RPGs. That's the, well, that's what I think about is like, man, that argument that one time that lasted for like 15 minutes. I should have stepped in and done something about that. So that would that would be my thing. And and, and I would just urge people as like as a game master, like don't be afraid to step in and be like, like don't be afraid to call people away from the table. Don't be afraid to call people out on their on their bullshit at the table too, and just say, hey, like, yeah. listen, let let somebody else talk, or hey, we don't need to get into that right now at the table. If you want to, you can. We can take a break and deal with it, but yeah. so yeah, that that would be my regret. You're super haunted by this, Matt. No, it is. It's just like um, there were a lot of good games that were hindered and hobbled by stuff like that. So, and granted, I don't really play with those players anymore either, which is a which helps quite a bit. But um, <laughs> you know, it it's not like. It's not like it would have caused drama if I would have stepped in and said something. Honestly, they probably would have appreciated it if someone would have mm -hmm. mediated a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. And I think that you know something like drama, outside drama coming to the table, nip that as fast as you can. Like, yep. because it's ne it's never going to go away. No. Well, that might not be the case, but it's always going to make the game a little bit worse. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Have you guys used 5e, 5th edition D&D, &D, to play an atypical fantasy setting, such as Western, sci-fi, or modern? Mm -hmm. Would you change 5th edition or use... A, uh, I think it's... Would you use 5th edition or use a different system? We just did today, Matt. Yeah, we did. Uh, 
Michael, Michael Sham, Mike the Piper, ran uh, a game in his Ironhead Chronicles setting, which is uh, basically D&D post-Great War, like 1920s. <clears throat> it's like Call of Cthulhu D&D. It's really awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> it is really cool. It's like trench warfare and shotguns and mm-hmm. Tommy guns and grenades that are actually... My character was using... Uh, uh, alk- like potions as grenades. Basically, yeah. it was just a sorcerer, <laughs> but instead of casting spells, I had spells in these vials, and I'd throw a vial, cast the spell, and oh, yeah. So yeah, it was it was really fun. It was really really fun. It had trains and train mm-hmm. chases, and there were oh, yetis, Alex. Yetis, there were Alex. Yetis, there were yetis. <laughs> With the yetis, yeah. awesome. And I was like, I, I said in the chat, I was like, don't worry, guys. I killed like nineteen yetis one time in the ubiquity system. I got this. <laughs> Like, what are the odds? Yeah. And he's white. <laughs> Just lock and load. <laughs> um, no, I, I haven't used 5th edition for any, anything like that yet, uh, although I did download... Someone Someone put together a really cool package of... Uh, they, they came up with uh, the rules for Gamma World. I don't know if, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember Gamma World. Yep. But it, it was a post-apocalyptic, uh, radioactive mutant world. Uh, and it used the, at the time it used a similar system to D and D, and someone upgraded it to fifth edition, and they, and they came up with all the the stuff you need for it. So I have it. I just haven't. Uh, someone came up with it out of line, and so I have it. I haven't had a chance to run anything with it though. But I'm I'm looking forward to doing that. I used to love Gamma World. We used to play that. You know, after we've been pl- after we played like months and months with D and D, we'd get you know, we'd be like, yeah, you want to try something different for you know a uh, few weeks. And then we'd either pick up, you know, uh, Boot Hill or Gamma World or Traveler. If we were really desperate, uh, um, top secret. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. I, f- I feel like fifth. There are better systems out there for mm. adapting to something like a different setting like that. Uh, Fate comes to mind. Dread is good in any system, but it actually specializes in horror. But Savage uh, Worlds. Savage Worlds, like, I mean, there are a lot of good systems that you probably might want to check out while you're using 5th edition, if 5th edition is all you have access to, for sure. Yeah. Also, there's someone in the uh, in the comments of our YouTube page pretty much talking about every single thing that we're talking about and giving their opinions. That's awesome. And oh. you guys, this is Bunny Nest. Thank you for doing that. Discuss all this stuff in this, uh, in our comment feed, because, like, we're just three dudes playing the same games that you are. So, uh, you know, you have uh, perceptions and perspectives that we don't. So, yeah, definitely thanks for starting up that conversation, man. We want to hear what you have to say, too. Gothnog? Yes. Have you played with children, and how do you keep them involved and interested? And do you make them call you Hierarch Gothnog? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't make them call me Hierarch. Oh, uh, and yes, classes. I love those. Sorry. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I have I, I have two children, and uh, and I do run D and D for them. So, um, uh, I, I think it's awesome. The thing you just have to be aware of is number one, they're not going to get all the rules. So I don't really, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't really worry about that as much. Uh, and I, I use them, uh, you know, both to have fun with them, but also as a as a way of teaching as well. You know, there's there's all all kinds of opportunities for math and reading and uh, all these things you can put into it, uh, moral issues, that kind of thing. So um, I I love role playing games um, and introduce you know for, uh, introducing them to kids. The uh, for younger kids, there's also things like uh, 
uh, what's it called? Uh, Hero Kids. Yeah, which, yeah, uh, Hero Kids. Which is available on Drive Through RPG, and it's it's really not that expensive, and it's it's a it's a nice simple system. You know, any kids can pick it up. You know, five years five years or older, <clears throat> and uh, I you know that that's that's a great one for start. Um, I decided to go to D. I, I decided to switch from that to D and D because I figured, well, you know what? I think my 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 daughter's old enough to start grasping some of it, so I kind of wanted to get her, um, you know, to start understanding it now, and so that later on she'll already be sort of immersed in the rules, and you know, easier for me. Sweet. Um, oh, and yeah. as far as keeping them involved and interested, uh, you want to you you obviously want to have you know find you know do what they like like. Uh, my daughter likes uh, likes fairies and pirates, so you know she played a pirate fairy. So it was uh, that was that was her character, and her brother played a, an assassin because he likes killing zombies, so he was a zombie killer. Um, and I feel like and, uh, guy. oh, go ahead. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, you know, find out what they like. Also, with especially with really young kids, you want to keep the session probably around an hour. I mean, if they're still having fun and they're still interested, then you can just you can keep it going. But you know, plan on not going more than an hour because that's really what their attention span can handle. So uh, if you try to push it beyond that, you know, they're going to start to get bored with it, or or worse, start to have you know just not enjoy it as much, and they'll just kind of not want to play anymore. So yeah, I was going to say those are my two big, biggest pieces of advice: is uh, keep it short, or if it is going a little bit longer, take plenty of breaks. Like take yeah. you know a couple ten minute breaks here and there, just just so they can get up from the table and move around and stuff like that. So, yep. and I've I've never played with small kids, but I'd also assume that a lot of them want to be badasses. Yeah, you know, oh, they, yeah. Ca- they in my experience, kids come up with the craziest ideas in RPGs, and you're just like. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. We can. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, you guys can do that. Absolutely. I want to hit a dude that. with another dude. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but they'll come. They'll come up with these crazy solutions yep. to problems that you had never even anticipated. Where you're just like, I figured you guys would just go in and kill the goblins, but if you want to do this, that's totally fine with me. My my son is great. He's 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 uh, he just he just turned five, and uh, he was he, they 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 were they were going through a dungeon looking for someone who'd been kidnapped. So um, they, uh, uh, so they say. I say you see this old door, um, you know, and they go up to it and they 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 open it up and say, you see five zombies on the other side. And he just looks at me and goes, ah! <laughs> just starts. <laughs> and that's like that's like the best reaction you can get as a DM. You're just like, yeah, it is scary. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. This is gonna be my new home group. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a blast with him. Um, oh, and as far as these glasses go, these these are my grandfather's. I use them for uh, for for reading really small stuff. Very cool. That's awesome. <clears throat> so, while preparing a campaign, what order would you recommend doing things in? Hmm. This is a good question. It's, uh, you always work on what you're inspired by. Don't pick an arbitrary starting point and work to get to the stuff that you're excited about. If there are aspects of your world or aspects of the story or NPCs, magic items, encounters that you are particularly excited about, start 
there and then move on to the next thing that you're excited about. Don't force yourself to do boring stuff. Yeah, yeah. The same thing kind of goes with like novel writing. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm really ex- I want to write this novel because I'm really excited to write this scene that's going to happen in like chapter 6." So they start at chapter 1 when they're really excited to get to chapter 6 and they just stare at a blank page for yeah. 4 days. Like, write chapter 6 because that's what's motivating you. Heck, maybe even make that chapter 1, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it's yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Start with what's really kicking your brain's butt right now. Uh also for me, I I don't I try I don't plan that I try not to plan that far ahead because I don't know what's going to happen with the with the characters. I'm definitely more sandboxy in that way. And like okay, uh uh in in the recent Norbrook campaign, um the uh one of the, one of the characters was uh <clears throat> you know he 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 had he had the uh the urge to steal a knife from a knight uh, when he was uh uh invited to stay in this temple for a while. So he ended up uh you know, pickpocketing this this dagger from him, a, a, seem, a seemingly minor event. You know, he managed to do it well, and and he kept this 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 cool dagger. Um, now I and I knew that this that this knight who was a friend of theirs was going to be um, was going to be murdered later, and so he was he was atta- he ended up being attacked by a werewolf, and uh, so he'd been in this in this festival in town, and they uh, when they found his body. He was laying there in the dirt, you know, all torn up by the werewolf, and his hand was still clutching his empty dagger holster, you know, his dagger scabbard, <laughs> which, oh, nice. which, which made for a you know great moment for that character. But uh, you know, um, uh, but it, that moment changed ultimately the whole outcome of the campaign because it took. Uh, Several things in a, in a completely different direction than I had planned. So uh, I try I try not to plan too far in advance. I guess is uh, would be my advice. That's a good idea. Yeah, I always start small. I, I definitely like the idea of starting with what motivates you. But my big flaw is that I create too much like stuff that I'm motivated by. Too many plot points. Too many stories mm-hmm. in the world, and I uh, just. I, I'm like, oh my god, all this stuff is awesome. I want to give it to the players now, and then you give them too much, and it's like, I don't, uh, what? So starting small and just choosing like one or two things per session to add yeah. to your campaign, uh, yeah. even add to your world. You can build an entire world like that. That's how. I mean, that's yeah, all the only way I can really do it. But uh, yeah, tiny little bits, one baby steps, one at a time. What I think. I like your dresser behind you, Gotham. I freaking love your house. That's it. Like every, just every once in a while, I look over at Gotham's screen. And I'm like, man, look at that. Alex, you're I... gonna be tomorrow. You're gonna just be sitting in your yurt. You're gonna hear. <clears throat> you're gonna get up. You're gonna open the door. Barker's gonna be like, hey. With a sleeping bag and a pillow. Yep. <laughs> and a DVD of Predator. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I don't know. Alex, I was thinking we could have a slumber party in your yurt. What do you think about that? Well, after the kids came screaming past me and dove on him uh, and and knocked him to the ground, uh, he might be considered that. (laughs) Can they call me Uncle Barker? Sure. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Hierarch. (laughs) Hierarch, Uncle Barker is here. So we're going to probably answer another question here, but uh, our plan here was for the second hour to just do an hour worth of ideas that you can steal. 
So oh, basically, there already. Wow. Yeah, it is. But basically, <laughs> in the Q and A app, instead of asking questions, you can post things like, um, uh, in an NPC or uh, a winter, a, a city that's you know frozen or something like that, or weather in your game or something, and we'll make a quick idea you can steal uh, off the top of our heads. So that's what we'll do in five minutes. But the Absolutely. So, boom. Best resources for non-combat encounter inspiration. Video games. That's my video games. Zelda and Chrono Trigger and <clears throat> Mass Effect. Yeah, I, I I tend to... I, I guess they mean non-combat... They said non-combat encounters, so like puzzles, roleplay, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess video games for me probably... Um, I don't, I just stuff around. I mean, I was at... Uh, I was at Disneyland last week, and we were uh, in line for the Indiana Jones ride. And I was just looking around because they have everything really thematic. Like you feel like you're in a in a uh, excavation site when you're waiting in line for the Indiana Jones ride. And I'm looking around and I'm just getting all these ideas for a dungeon. And I'm just like, ooh, I'll put that in there. I'll put that in there too. You know, so just like everything, anything and everything that that inspires me is 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 what I look for. That's a good call. Well, for me, apart from tra- unless it, unless it is a trap situation, it it most of my stuff is really character driven. So, um. I, I I also try to I generally don't think in terms of encounters usually, but um, uh, I'll make up interesting characters that 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 the um, that the party has to interact with, and then the encounter just sort of grows out of that because they're they're going to react to them however they're going to react anyway, and um, whether it's uh, whether it's combat or social they're going to. Um, uh, they're going to decide ultimately what's going to happen. And so uh, I, my goal is just to make an interesting character that makes sense in that situation and has a, a real purpose being there that's going to either forward the story or um, make for an interesting interaction with the with the characters. Yeah, use your players as inspiration for sure. sure. Also, and I tell you, I, uh, I used to work at a homeless shelter, and you're going to find a lot of interesting characters at a homeless shelter. So. That's uh, if you have one uh, available to you, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> you go on the. Just That's don't wear Alex, your Alex's favorite third-party resource is uh, a <laughs> homeless shelter. That's right. Well, you know, I don't play video games, so that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my option. <laughs> don't 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 wear your nice clothes or, and like stand or, or in the Denny's line. At, or, or Denny's at three a.m. Also, oh yeah, Denny's or Sherry's at three a.m. is is primo, dude. Sherry's, oh man, you just bring your notebook, bring a pencil, yeah, and you'll yeah. leave with an entire campaign setting. Because Sherry's is like dirty Denny's. Yeah, yeah. People it's walking like, up, walk, walking up, walking up to you with a with a plate of pancakes. Yeah. Uh, do you know where the changing room is? Yeah, there's <laughs> like there's a haze in that place. <laughs> It's like if Denny's were a dive bar as well. <laughs> okay, one more one more question, actually. Okay. Um, what is your favorite third-party resource to have on hand when GMing a session? Random tables, maps, or what have you? Ooh, Donjon. 
Don John. Yeah, Don John. Awesome. That, that 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 that's all. That's always on my screen when I'm when I'm jamming. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just it's just a great um, quick resource for for names or anything like that. Another one. Uh, oh crap! What's it called? Let me let me uh, break our immersion here and look it up real quick because I'll uh, I, I'm not going to remember it. Um, Anything by Absolute Tabletop. It's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, actually it's just uh, FantasyNameGenerators.com. Yeah, that's a great one. And, oh, and nice. not, not only do they have fantasy names, but they also they also have one thing that was really cool, which was, um, uh, was it? It generates yeah, it generates fantasy names, place names, and has other generators too, such as like a flag creator. It has a you know mottos, things like that. Just all kinds of really neat stuff. So. <clears throat> uh, that's that's another one too. Yeah. I'd say anything by Raging Swan Press. I re- specifically, I like their dressing. You can find them on Drive Through. Their setting dressings. Uh, I have a huge binder. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, there's that big white binder. <coughs> there's actually another black one over on this side, and it's uh they're about this big, huge binders, and they're filled with uh, every single setting dressing supplement they have. And there are dividers in them. I've organized them so, like, one divider will be wilderness or, like, forest. And mm-hmm. so if I know the characters are in a forest, I flip to it, and it's just filled with just small descriptions that char- of things that characters will find in a forest. So your yeah. forest doesn't feel like it's bland. Um, also, they have one for taverns and borderland towns. That's actually my favorite one is the borderland town one. Um, just a, a bunch, and they're roll tables, but I don't roll on them. I, that's how I use those for prep. I'll just flip through it. If I know the characters are going to be in a forest, I'll flip through the forest thing, and I'll select, like, two or three things just to describe to the characters as they're walking through the forest just to make it feel like they're actually there. Oh, another good one, This is, and this is, this is seriously old school, is uh, uh, there was an old company called Judges Guild, and they produced a... a, a a whole, a ton of of uh, material for uh, castles, towns. They had adventures. They had uh, like an entire island setting. I mean, just all kinds of things like that. And uh, like there was there was one. It was just a, uh, an entire book of wilderness encounters, and not even full encounters, but like you know, uh, you you come across this uh, uh, the, the the ruins of what might have been a temple at one time, and the only thing left standing is like. A marble fountain that's been that's uh, that's broken, and and the only thing intact is um, the trident that it's holding, and you know something like that. I mean, it, the, it just has little things like that spread throughout it. So I mean, it's it's a it's a if you're not into accessing the internet, then if you can find any old judges guild material, it's uh, it, you know it can still be found on eBay and stuff like that. It's well worth having. I think it's also available on. I think some of it might be available through drive through RPG in uh, in PDF form. Awesome. Also, you know, <clears throat> I feel like it's important to to really support community members who are coming out with stuff. And Captain Gothnog actually has Critical Hit Publishing, and th- I, you know, we don't really we don't plug a lot of items. We definitely don't usually plug our own. But I just want to mm. really, you know, stroke your hair a little bit here. Alex, and just say that your supplements are baller, and yeah, it's beautiful. And you should really, you everybody should check out Critical Hit Publishing Thank on Drive Through, or I think CriticalHitPublishing.com. Uh, yeah, CriticalHitPublishing.com. Yeah. yeah and and, yeah, awesome. and, and like you said, there's a lot of people doing stuff now. I, I, have you seen uh, 
Tim Harper's. Oh, uh, have I? That thing Dude, is freaking awesome. It is freaking awesome. Yeah, check your yeah, GameCon swag bag. Yeah, it's free. Get it for free right now. Yeah, yeah I, free supplement. I was so excited to see that come to fruition because I, I edited that like... Two years ago, like a year ago or something like that, yeah. and I just I just remember reading it, and it was it's just unlike anything it, yeah. else. It's just it is like it is dark. It is dark <laughs> and weird, man, in the best way possible. It, absolutely, absolutely. Like if it's, you're, it's it'll a, it'll. Yeah. There are points where it'll make you just go, ooh, and then you go, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much you're like a ten year old boy again. Yep, <laughs> it's like, exactly. Oh, that's disgusting. That's awesome. You know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, look! I found a dead rabbit's head, mom. Yeah. It's like, that's oh, so good. gross. I gotta show everybody. That's right. <laughs> but no, I, I, and I love I love his his per, his unique style of artwork in it. It just all goes together. His maps is just brilliant. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. And again, it's in your swag bag for free. And you can yep. get your swag bag at the BrigadeCon Facebook page. It's still up there right now uh, for anybody attending so, BrigadeCon, which you are. So that's yeah. great. So, yeah, so I, I have I have uh, Critical Hit Publishing. You guys you guys have uh, Absolute Tabletop. Who else is uh, publishing stuff out there now? There's, uh, Tim Tim's doing – he did his thing. Yeah, Everyone knows main man. Yeah. Yeah, I helped him with some of that stuff. Um Andre Martinez has uh, Gamesmiths, which Games. is uh, is more of a uh, if you have an idea, we'll put it together and package it really nicely for you. And uh, that's well, yeah, he, he he helped um, Tim right? on on Tim's thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's just a really good looking uh, product for sure. Yeah, I think it's great that everyone is is getting out there and and putting out new material and just yeah uh, yeah, uh, it's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's make some ideas that people can steal. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds fun. And uh, so I'm gonna so start posting. What would probably help is if you put the question in the Q and A app and start it with idea you can steal, and then post your idea. Like, uh, like here's Sam a great Larson example. Did. Yes, uh, first one I'm seeing is idea you can steal. Unique apocalypse. Oh, so man, so cool. <laughs> pulling out the D6. I'll be one and two. Alex, you're three and four. Matt, you're five and six. Uh, that's a one, so I will go first. So oh, right there. So you see, I inked my dice. I did see that, Barker. They look very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my unique apocalypse is going. To, <coughs> uh, I I really, the happening is one of the movies that I feel like is a terrible movie showcasing a really awesome idea, At, like it could have been like such a great movie. So I feel like. People um, dying on purpose or because of something that uh, they like, they know that it's happening. Um, so in the happening, people are. It's gonna get pretty dark right away, but it's roll up and die. Fuck it. Uh, they're committing suicide because the 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 part of their brain that's telling them to survive turns off, and so they're just offing themselves. So I like that idea of an apocalypse. Uh, so next is three. So that is Captain Gothnog. Okay. Um, well, I, 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 like the, I, I like the idea of, of it being caused electronically as opposed to biologically. So um, 
I don't know if, I don't know if either of you guys uh, read Stephen King's book, uh, Cell. Um, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, so maybe something like that where um, this... Uh, um, this new this uh, uh, this new song is released, and um, anyone who hears it um, loses the, loses the will to live. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I heard uh, that on the radio last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called. Uh, Look at this photograph. Every time it makes me laugh. Man, I'm just losing the will to live. Listen to this song. I'll be strong. Or uh, don't so, stop yeah, believing. So makes me stop believing. Uh, they also did something like that too in uh, uh, was it Halloween three that had nothing to do with the first two Halloween movies. Um, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica does something similar. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's kind of like you know there's a song that plays and some people uh, are yeah, affected yeah. by it, yeah. and, and so yeah. Oh, like you know, be, you know, be cool too when they when they hear the song, it they you know again like you said it it turns off that little bit that that and it makes them want to you know just want to kill themselves but it it also makes them want to sing it incessantly to spread the mm. to spread the virus <laughs> I love it <laughs> Awesome so next up uh, 1 2 3 4 that's Matt go ahead <laughs> uh, I'm only doing that once by the way yeah. I could never get to old <laughs> Yeah every time I, I get a good chuckle out of it um <laughs> In a certain percentage of the population, uh, I'm thinking I'm taking some inspiration from the movie Serenity here. But in a very small percentage of the population, this song doesn't cause them to become suicidal. It causes them to become uh, incredibly aggressive and murderous to the point where they're just completely savage and barbaric. And so there are people who are uh, just committing suicide in mass numbers, which is dwindling the population, creating an apocalyptic scenario, and then, boom, here's your wasteland raiders, these people that have been affected by the song to the point where they have basically gone insane and become, you know, uh, psychopaths. Awesome. And you know what you can do right here? You can make your players' characters uh, part of the very, very small group of people that's not being affected by any of this. Yep. Right. There you have it, your campaign. Boom. Boom shakalaka. Let's bring it back to the nineties. And you know what you know what the, the system would be called for that game? What? One hit wonder. Oh. <laughs> I don't get it. You know like a song is a one hit wonder? Oh. It, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Why would that be a system? That should be the title of the game. I just I just mean like the title of the campaign. Yeah, the, just the, yeah, in yeah. general, one hit wonder. Yeah. Have you gotten any sleep tonight, Matt? Nope. I got a few hours. I know. I uh, I remember that. <laughs> Sorry. I I'll never stop feeling bad about it, but I probably won't stop joking about it yet. I was sitting uh, there watching infomercials at four in the morning, sitting on the couch, and I look over and you're. And I'm just like. <laughs> he told me he was in it for the long haul. He lied. He put shaving cream on my hand and then tickled my face with a feather. Yep. I don't know any other pranks to pull on people during uh, slumber parties than those. Ones. Fart on their face. Fart on their face. That's yeah. like not even. That's that doesn't take any like planning. That's just. That's like a spur of the moment. Yeah. I'm gonna fart on this guy's face. <laughs> God. Oh man. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pick the the ones with the most 
pluses. I saw one down here that I thought was good. Okay, well, you know, I'll just pick the one near nearest to the top. Um, <clears throat> idea you can steal, ship lost at sea. Oh, I'm going to roll. Okay, that's a three. Alex, go first. Okay. So uh, I'm going I'm to set this one in contemporary times because we, we, we tend to focus a lot on, like, medieval fantasy and and so let's do let's do a modern uh, a modern take on it um, <clears throat> uh, so this is a this is a ship that's that was uh, that was lost at sea uh, about 20 years ago um, it was a uh, it was a, it was a mi- it was a minor uh, kind of a private cruise ship and uh, it uh, it disappeared um, about like I said about uh, about about 20 years ago uh, it, they the only thing that they heard from it was a single uh, sort of distress call, uh, saying um, that uh, they were uh, they 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 could they could see the lights of 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 the of port, but um, but they were running some heavy weather, and and yet there was no weather near near the port they were supposed to be going to, nor was there any weather of that kind anywhere near where they should have been, and so um, the ship just uh, was never heard from again. And only recently, um, the uh, has it has it showed up. And hello, uh, when you guys said who finds it and why. I love it when you go first, Alex. Though, because basically, right there is an idea you can steal. Boom. And then Matt and I are just here being like, ah, let's put some fucking zombies on it. I don't know. Shit. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Matt, you're gonna be four through six. Uh, that's a one through three. So that's me. So let's put some zombies on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> and you know what? That's all I'm gonna add. There, there's zombies on the ship. Zombies. Yeah, the crew is is all undead. Uh, and so, I mean, the the thing about a ship lost at sea, when you, when it's in a fantasy setting, it's almost like a seafaring adventure. Immediately when you make it modern, my mind at least goes straight to horror. Boom! Ship lost mm-hmm. at sea. Yeah. Ships are freaking creepy. Um. So yeah, we're gonna put some zombies on it. Matt, go ahead. Um, I think that there is. God, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> there's like they're left Okay, on zombies. this ship, there's zombies. Okay, <laughs> who haven't? There's zombies who haven't slept in 27 hours. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting just get particular. There are 19 of them. We'll just say yeah. 19. No, um, they're, not really, they're not really zombies. They're just really, really tired. I would say that there's a the sh- there was a kid on this ship, and uh, he, the ship has been gone for 20 years, and this kid has survived, and he's like a badass, and like he like has a little hideout on the ship, and he just like comes out sometimes to get like food from the kitchen and stuff. But, like, uh, when the uh, PCs find him, this guy's just, like, he's basically like Robin Williams from Jumanji, just, like, beard and hair. He's like, what year is it? You know, that sort of thing, so. Matt, that reminds me of your spider in the vacuum story. Oh, but, yeah. Well, in the last five minutes of this podcast, I would really like you to tell that story because it's very inspirational for a game. <laughs> yeah. And and things like that. Yes, it yeah. is. I want you to relive that for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next idea you can steal: non-traditional dwarf slash elf slash etc. community that breaks character type. 
Okay, so a community of, uh, what I'm saying is, okay, so does that mean a dwarf elf community or just basically a mixed community? Ba- basically just taking an, an archetypical yeah. Yeah, uh, t- t- fantasy yeah. race and uh, turning it on its head. Okay, awesome. Sweet. This will be fun. Okay, Matt, that's a five. That's you. All right, uh, so <clears throat> a culture of dwarves who are uh, druids, very in tune with the energies of the earth, and you could keep their dwarfiness by making them sort of like druids of the mountains, druids of the crags, like they're the druids who feel in tune with the stone and the soil, um, and so less like woodsy forest land druids and more like like mountain monks basically that's it nice. no out. I like I was trying to unmute and I was like clicking in the wrong place because I was answering your question <laughs> in the comments I was like Barker I was like Barker that's all I got dude what do you want man I thought that was pretty good do you want, do you want, do you want blood do you want blood <laughs> do you want there's zombies fuck it Okay. <laughs> Zombie dwarf dudes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alex, go ahead. All right. So um, these these dwarves are nudists. They they don't they don't believe in clothing. They don't wear a stitch of it. Uh, uh, clothing is also very hard to come by in the in the mountains as as they are. And since they don't since they don't work metal as uh, as many dwarves do, they really have nothing. They really have nothing to uh, uh, to wear otherwise. But uh, uh, but they do braid their hair everywhere in in, in unique patterns, and uh, they have uh, um, they have taken uh, uh, many of them have taken vows of silence, and so uh, there are uh, quite a, quite a number of them spend time in these little niches that they, that they have carved out of the rocks, just sort of sitting there like little stones themselves, and some of them are actually kind of covered with dust because they've been there so long. They they've developed this meditative technique where they just, you know, put their head down and they go into this trance and some of them have been there for years without uh without eating needing to eat or drink or anything like that, just in these uh kind of stone like positions. Some some could even be mistaken for statues if you know just kind of casually passing by. That's oh, awesome. That's cool. Very cool. Very cool. <clears throat> um uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, there's a kind of a native creature to this area. Uh Pretty, it resembles a Gallimimus or a Gala, 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 Gallimimus. Anybody? Nope. Chug your beers. Okay. Uh, so what is that from? That's from Jurassic Park. Oh, man. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Oh, right. Duh. Boom. You left us. Very nice. You left us. But that's Thank not you. what I'm gonna do. That's not what I'm gonna do. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but actually, it's a uh, yeah. So it's a type of dinosaur that this group of dwarves, this, tr- this tribe, has grown quite a, like a symbiotic relationship with, like a mutual respect. Really, a beautiful thing um, to the point where maybe the dinosaurs are to some extent considered like citizens, and every uh, dwarf will have their own type the mount, like a, a dinosaur that, uh, like a Gallimimus that they are so attuned with um, and maybe the the Gallimimus is like it chooses them at birth and uh, these dwarven druids are expert uh, mounted archers 
when it comes, they do not fight very often, but when they do, they're phenomenal archers when on Gallimimus back. <laughs> Man, this is awesome. I'm going to steal this idea. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> okay, all right. So, again, I'm looking for idea you can steal, things with the words idea you can steal in the, the, first, so, yeah, in the first part of the sentence. Right, idea you can steal, and then put the idea that we should make. Setting inside a giant creature, no whales allowed. <laughs> no whales allowed. <sighs> Fine. It's a zombie whale. Stupid. That's getting dumb. Lost at sea. Okay, so uh, I that was me. I'm number one, so I'm going to choose the creature. The giant creature is going to be a troll. A massive troll that's just existed for uh, just thousands of years and has been like just covered in earth. And it, you, I mean, it looks like a mountain. And we'll say that some sort of civilization has settled underground inside of it. Uh, next is Alex. All right. So they. Uh... Uh, I, I can kind of see this thing, you know, kind of sitting there. It has actually like trees growing on its shoulders and and uh, on its head and and you know bushes and shrubs, and 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 there there are these um, they well, they look like sores at a distance, but they're actually cave openings, and the pe the uh, uh, there's there's a race of gnomes that live inside them like parasites, and uh, and what they do is they uh, they actually grow mushrooms on the inside of this. Um, on the in, in these caves that they've tunneled into this troll tunnels and trolls um, that uh, nope <laughs> maybe Matt and 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 they and and so they 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 harvest these mushrooms and eat them and these mushrooms because they're grown inside this living uh, this living troll have made them made them regenerate as well so that they they are they are pretty much impervious to to most harm they have like you know, like uh, Wolverine level regenerative regenerative qualities. Oh, that's awesome! That's really cool, Matt. Uh, so at the uh, <clears throat> every few centuries, this troll shifts in its sleep, <clears throat> like it rolls over or it like slightly just moves. Bad sleep apnea. And it's, like, and it's like a <laughs> catastrophic event to the people that live here, and the seers of this culture have foreseen the troll rolling over and when the adventurers get there the people of the town are like dude you have to help us because the troll is going to roll over in its sleep and we're all going to die and so the adventurers have to come up with a way of stopping the troll from shifting in its sleep that's awesome yeah. the troll has a CPAP machine yeah. it just wakes up <laughs> Getting to, getting to the end see, of the cycle. Oh, see, see I, actually, I was, I was, I, you know, it's funny because I was going to say something like that. Like they have to, they have to keep the troll asleep, mm. and so maybe they have these, these, these special, the special uh, religious group of these gnomes that live in its ears that actually sing to it constantly. If they stop singing to it, dude, that's such a good idea. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh, All right, so cool. That's, that's, like a Mi that's like a Miyazaki thing, dude. That sounds like something in a Miyazaki movie. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it does. Though, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Miyazaki? Uh, Hayao Miyazaki does Spirited Away. Spirited Away, yeah. okay. okay. We talked about that. Nausicaa of the Valley Wind. Stuff like yeah. that. 
That, that's definitely his style. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, idea you can steal. Uh, what does BBEG stand for? Big, Big bad, bad evil, evil guy. guy. Yes, I got it. Oh man. Mm. Good job, Barks. Mm. <laughs> Proud of you, buddy. You did uh, it. What kind of villain would you each be? For example, Barker says what villain Alex is, and etc. <laughs> this is awesome. This is so, so good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll the die twice. One for the person whose turn it is, and the second one for the person they have to do. So, okay. Uh, okay the first one is me. Damn it! I didn't want to go first. Uh, the second one is going to be Matt. Oh, perfect. Oh. <laughs> All right, what kind of villain would Matt be? Matt, I'm going to be inspired by today. The type of villain that Matt would be is he would be kind of like the Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty in a way, where he has put the entire kingdom to sleep or just made them – no, here's the thing. They're not asleep. <clears throat> but they're just tired enough to where they can't think properly. So, uh, and so when like people ask them questions, it takes them a little while to really get going. <laughs> but, uh, but, but legitimately, they're constantly in this state of semi-slumber, so they don't question anything. And the villain, uh, Matt, is a, a politician, a political leader of this this loc- this region, this kingdom, this city, whatever it is, and that's how he really gets stuff done. He keeps people tired, so uh, so they don't ask any questions. I see, I see what you're saying. I'm so boring that everyone just falls asleep. <laughs> the dulcet tones of my voice just hey, put everyone. Hey man, I, I was. They judging. need to get me in that troll. I'll I'll keep that troll asleep, buddy. I tell you what. <laughs> Hey, man, I wasn't judging you. I was talking about you when you were judging yourself. I know. You're right. All right. So next up is going to be Matt, mm-hmm. and uh, you are going to talk about me. Okay. So then Alex <laughs> is going to talk about himself or – Apparently. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. No, then, yeah, then you talk about Alex, and yep. then Alex will talk about me. Okay. <laughs> um, okay so Alex, as a villain, uh, uh, he, he's lived out in the wilderness for a long time. Uh, out in a small hut. He's fended for himself. Um, But there are people who are insisting on coming and visiting him. Uh, And it gets to the point where he has to start like basically fending these people off. And there's rumors going around that he's some sort of warlock or druid or something like that. And he gets so fed up with people going on his land, uh, interrupting his solitude, that he basically gathers up an army of animals and wood elves and forest gnomes and just, like, starts laying waste to the surrounding lands. Basically just as a, like, here's what's going to happen if you guys keep knocking on my door. Barker, don't come visit me in my yurt. (laughs) Well, that doesn't sound all that evil, really, to me. I don't know. It sounds pretty reasonable, really. See, that, that's what, uh, the villain is always... He always thinks he's doing the right thing, man. Yeah, villains always sound reasonable to the villain. <laughs> okay, Alex. Now's the time. All right. Um, I, I, see, I see you in, in, this, uh, in this tall tower. Now, the, the, the ruler of this land is, 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 a, is, a, is an emperor. And he's been he's been the emperor for 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 decades now, and and um, 
but what is, what is not known is that the emperor is actually dead and that you're the one actually making the decisions and uh you you wear you wear these these extremely fine clothes uh your hair is always perfect you're wearing this uh uh this this these amazing uh, uh long robes and um and you are basically running this empire in the name of the emperor and what you're doing is you're um you're sort of reaching out with these 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 tendrils of of power to uh um uh to 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 kind of reshape the empire uh, uh to your own to your own decisions and so um everyone everyone you speak to is it feels compelled to do as you wish so you uh um you 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 uh you 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 uh you, you talk to them and, and no matter how unreasonable something might sound uh, uh if they saw it on paper when you when you say it to them it makes perfect sense. I, of course, I, of course, I'll, of course, I'll do this. I, why wouldn't I? It's the most reasonable thing in the world. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds oh about right. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it didn't matter what he said. Matt was. I know. I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do He's a serial killer who buries yes, Barker. Who buries homeless people in his basement? <laughs> yep. That's him. <laughs> I was there. Called me tired. <laughs> I was awesome. there myself. <laughs> oh, that was cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely stealing those villains. I really like yeah, that was them. Um, okay, idea you can steal: excuses for time travel. Um, hmm. excuses for time travel. So we're talking about yeah, not reasons why characters would time travel. Uh, Matt, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> kick this one off. Oh man. Okay. The uh the party has to time travel because someone else has time traveled. So basically the the party has to go back to set right what was changed because the timeline is sort of splintering and things are getting weird and people are disappearing and uh, you know, buildings are suddenly appearing out of nowhere, and it's because the timeline is sort of diverging and splintering, and so they have to go back in time because some wizard went back to change something, uh, probably for personal selfish reasons. Awesome. So they're kind of chasing somebody. They're doing it because yeah. someone else did it. Awesome. Yep. Okay, that was you again. So again. Okay, that's me. Um, I'm gonna say the villain's name. <laughs> I'm gonna say the villain's name is. Matthew Clicago, and mm. he, <laughs> or, or think of a better name, but basically, <laughs> he went back in time. He's been messing with the time stream because he's been keeping people tired in his kingdom, and the way he's been doing it, the way he's been doing it is he's been uh, making, messing with the time stream and making them more elderly in like but not physically they just feel more elderly a little bit you know like like they're 100 years old even though they're you know 20 years old something like that and that makes them a little more tired um probably a little more grumpy uh they hate it when people walk on their lawns it's really <laughs> but but that's what this wizard is doing actually he's going back in time uh and forward in time he's going through time in order to Kind of maybe gather this time, this timey wimey stuff, in order to keep his people elderly in their mindset. 
that that de- I definitely could have come up with a better idea, but I was like, <laughs> I'm totally gonna bring back that fucking. No, I like the idea that he's like harvesting time energy to use mm. in some sort of magic. That's cool. yeah, that's a good idea. So uh, yeah, Alex, go ahead. Okay, so uh, uh, the 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 party belongs to this um, to the secret organization. There's a there's there's a the the way they're able to travel through time is, is through this. Uh, uh, this large uh, sort of stone, and anyone who has a fragment of the stone uh, on their person can can utilize its power to travel through time. And so the the the, the stone is sort of the nexus of of time, and they have even who has a chip of it can can use that to 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 go through time. And this wizard was once part of their order, and on on and they they used it primarily for research. They didn't they didn't they didn't use it to do anything nefarious. Um, but on one of his trips back in time, he caused um, the death of someone near to him that that uh, that this person couldn't exist. And once it was changed, there was no way to to undo the change. And so, uh, what what he's what he's doing is he's trying to um, to draw together enough of this uh, temporal energy to. Um, uh, to, to he wants to basically shatter the stone because he thinks that by shattering the stone, he will undo anything that that had been done with it. And uh, but the elders who are responsible for this feel that if he does it, reality itself will cease to exist. Cool, I like it. Awesome, <clears throat> very cool. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Next one up. Oh yes, I was really hoping we'd come to this one. I was hoping people would one up this one uh, <laughs> faster. I really like the idea of the idea you can steal a chase scene. Mm. Uh, and I actually just realized that I have a D three. It's a rock paper scissors die. Oh, oh it's an RP nice. and an S. So uh, in no particular order, just because it'll be easier for me to remember. I'll be rock. Alex, you're on the left. You'll be paper. And Matt, you'll be scissors. Yes. Yeah, I think if I had to choose, I think if I had to choose. Alex would be rock, I'd be paper, and Matt would still be scissors. But yeah. <laughs> so here we go, rolling my D three, and that is scissors. Matt is like the most oh, exhausted. Oh, okay, he's actually excited about this one. Good. <laughs> okay, man, chase scene. Okay. I'm not. I'm not ready. Uh, the chase scene is. Um. Uh, on the back of Gallimimus's no, uh, no, just, no. Just, 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 give a, just give us a time period. We'll run with it. Yeah, Don't worry. Um, I, I would say that it is a um, a chase on the water, perhaps down a river, um, with uh, lots of little falls and uh, crazy bends in the river, places where the the PCs can get sucked down into the water. Um, I'm not sure what they're on. Uh, what they're riding on, but they're they're on a river. That's cool. That's interesting. Nice. Paper. That is Alex. All right. All right. So uh, what they're on is this 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 river is a very very big river. It's huge, like you know Mississippi kind of style. Uh, and uh, so they're 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 on they're on this kind of uh, flat kind of long boats, and they have they have the long pointed ends on on uh, the front and back. Uh, very much like uh, you might see like a Viking longship or something like that, um, and uh, they also they also have oars kind of similar to that, except that 
these are iron ores because they, um, you know, they obviously they need to be much much more durable than a wooden one that's going to snap. These people have been uh, on, you know, these these boats have been designed for this particular river. And uh, I'll say that the uh, uh, the people being chased uh, escaped from these uh, uh, the, the people who who have these boats and uh, that that designed them and built them and and so that the it's the chasers who are much more familiar with the river and its and its currents and uh, um, and uh, how to operate the boats and I'm gonna say that the 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 people chasing uh, the people in the boats are amphibians so they're like uh, they're like humanoid frogs um, you know big large large bulbous eyes they have these uh, uh, these dark green hoods that are made from uh, um, uh, this thin translucent leather and yeah so that's uh, awesome I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap it up Parker so let me <laughs> let me clear, let me clarify uh, <laughs> people who are chasing are in the boats right so do I have agents uh, well, well, people oh yeah but yeah the, I, I didn't describe people being chased the people chasing are the amphibians and okay. uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to say the, the player characters are working with the amphibians in these boats. The amphibians are, you know, obviously masters of the water, um, but the characters are also in the boats shooting uh, during the chase, uh, helping with the rowing or, you know, things like that, um, you know, doing chase things. The person they're chasing is actually a water elementalist um, that uh, brings out their elementalism in in terms of cold magic and this wizard is or sorcerer is kind of is freezing the water underneath him or her while while she is <laughs> like kind of skating along the river so not so not only are they chasing this person who is uh, freezing some water and kind of you know maneuvering quickly on ice maybe even on skates that's a little weird probably not that um, but now that's a new obstacle for the characters to have to get past, like, oh, crap, we have to dodge this frozen part of the river now or these huge ice blocks that are now floating in the river mm -hmm. um, as they're chasing this elementalist. Um, like why the are they... That... Oh, go that's... ahead. I, I like the idea that she's, like, summoning water weirds and stuff to, like, waylay the, the boats as she's trying to yeah. escape. That's a really cool idea for an encounter. Yeah, and also mm -hmm. if you have a wizard in your party, they might be able to cast some sort of like wind magic to propel the boats forward Ooh, yeah. to you know mm -hmm. to help with the chase. You can give a, give them a lot of things to do there. Yeah, definitely. Nice, awesome. Would they be called bullywugs? Would you call them bullywugs? Uh, is that what they are? I, yeah, I, I, bully, bullywugs are, yeah. are large frog human. Okay, frogs. they they, they could be bullywugs or if you want to make bullywugs are bullywugs are bitches. That's what they are. There's also uh, gripplies too, uh, which are. Uh, less like monstrous, more humanoid uh, frogs. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay, idea you can steal. Ooh, what? Steampunk inventions. Uh, <laughs> just put a just hot glue a gear onto something. Yeah, just take a Nerf gun, hot glue a gear onto it. Boom. It's a steam. Uh, it's a steampunk gun. Steampunk Nerf gun, painted yeah. silver. Uh, that's paper. So that is Alex. Okay, so. Oh, let's see. What hasn't been steampunked to death? Uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, airships really haven't. I think that's been an untouched. Have those been used at all? They're seriously underused. Yeah. So I'll take a drink. All right. So uh, I'm gonna say it's a um, steampunk armor. Because I, I I I love steampunk armor, and even if it's been used before, I don't care. Um, just just I just love the idea of this of this huge industrial looking armor with big you know pipes coming out the back and black smoke pouring out of them that sort of thing. So uh, it's it's this big sort of you know bronze copper uh, 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 heavy duty steampunk you know look you know armor with uh, uh, you know again you know the classic you know massive gears, but also like pistons on the side of the legs for extra support and uh, just so we'll start. We'll start with that as a base. Awesome. That's really cool. <clears throat> uh, that's paper again. Problem with the D three. Scissors. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal something from myself because I had a I had a character who had a, uh, a suit of armor like that, and well, he had a, idea a for the idea you can steal. He was a, a wizard, <laughs> but I flavored all of his spells and stuff as as uh, magical devices. And uh, he had a. <clears throat> this is so stupid. He had a wand Gatling gun that would pop out of one of his gauntlets, and it was basically this rotor that had five or six different wands on it. There was a wand of magic missile, a wand of fireball, there was a wand, a, a wand of frost, and basically he would fire one, and then it would go and 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 rotate, and the next wand would be slotted in, and he would fire off a magic missile, and then it would slot, and he'd fire off a fireball or whatever. Um, so this suit is outfitted with uh, several uh, magical devices uh, like that, but definitely a wand Gatling projector basically awesome uh, i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna steal an idea that i'm using for my trenches of hollow hall game uh that this machine was actually used uh for mining um the magic missiles were used to kind of uh clear mines and discover new veins and just pretty much demolish areas of mine to you know uncover like i said new new veins of ore or whatever the the they're mining and they've converted it because of a war. They've converted this machine into a weapon of death. Uh, it used to be, uh, you know, used for utilitarian purposes around the city, and now it's used uh, to kill other people because that's the purpose that they need it for. That is so cool. I just had this image of having this big armor, and on the back it has this, this cloth, it's like a backhoe you'd see on a on a on a, on a, on a big tractor. <laughs> you know. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Uh, also, actually, I'm going to throw out an idea for steampunk. This we talked about this in a previous uh, podcast. Um, a cool way to kind of incorporate steampunk into fantasy uh, is incorporating fire magic when you're heating water mm -hmm. to create steam. Um, yeah. One idea that someone I was in a hangout with, I think this was. Oh, I think this was no, this was Michael Sham's idea. Was that you know maybe they they have this kind of container this magical container and inside of it they seal a fire elemental and a water elemental and they're constantly fighting each other and therefore that's creating the steam that powers this. Oh machine. neat! That's kind of a cool idea. <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah, check out Mike the Piper on YouTube. He's really good. Um, 
Okay, idea you can steal. Horror troperific haunted mansion slash castle. Uh, Alex, do you just want to show the take the webcam and show your place? <laughs> just just, just, just pan it around my house. Here we go. Here's, here's the here's all the creepy stuff I have. Um, this is the dungeon. Uh, no one's uh, dungeon. Go ahead first, Alex. Sure. Since your greenhouse's castle. <laughs> all right. So so uh, let's see. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of of uh, <laughs> it, it it sounds weird when you start off with I'm a big fan of uh, haunted asylums like you know just madhouses just make fantastic uh, places for that sort of thing they're 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 incredibly creepy they uh, uh, horrible horrible things happen there especially in some of the really you know old or or uh, uh, you know. Uh, more brutal styles of, of, of asylum. And so, um, <clears throat> this, uh, uh, so there's this asylum that was, uh, that was built kind of out at, uh, just, just, you know, a short ways into the, into this desert wasteland. And it was built there so that, you know, so that they would be away from civilization. And so this was, it was more of a place to put people, um, there. And the, and the person who was in charge of it, uh, took it as an opportunity, this necromancer, to experiment on these people, to do you know horrible experiments with them, and and uh, eventually, even even he died, and uh, uh, when uh, some of these inmates broke loose and uh, and and slaughtered him and and hung him on the outside of the building and uh, for the for the vultures to eat, and so no one knows what happened to the inmates. They never they never came out of the desert. And so there's just, there's just this. Uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a name from that I use. It's, it's called Iron Gate Sanitarium, and it's just or Iron Gate Asylum rather. And it's just this. this, this it's uh, it's called Iron Gate because obviously the huge massive iron gates, but it's uh, uh, it's all it's all this black stone trimmed in iron, and and it has uh, uh, a huge tower. And they say on on uh, on uh, uh, some nights you can still see a light in the top tower. Awesome. That's really cool. Okay, that is Rock, which is me for the sake of this <clears throat> podcast. Um, so I'm going to take a... I'm going to take some inspiration from history. I want you to Google the Munster Rebellion, which took place in, uh, I think, in Germany during the Protestant Reformation, uh, in which people basically barricaded this entire city of Munster and turned it into like its own weird microcosm of faith and weird stuff. Um, very cult-like activity, <laughs> weird things. Not anyway, check out the hardcore history podcast on it. It's really good. Anyway, um, uh, if you Google it though, and you check out the Wikipedia of it, uh, one of the first images you see at the very top of this cathedral, you can still see to this day, the three cages that they put the bodies of the three people that they tortured and executed for starting this rebellion. And to this day, those cages are still there. So I like to think that fast-forwarding, you know, 200 years after this whole stuff takes place that Gothnog just described, um, maybe after they executed this person or killed him, they put his body in a cage at the very mm -hmm. top of the castle, and that cage is still there. Yeah. Matt. Uh, so with the death of the um, 
of the necromancer who who ran the place uh it's actually being overseen now uh by the necromancer's homunculus uh and it's just this little kind of uh i imagine that it's a uh sort of um little cunning creature this trickster creature who's just sort of going about uh, the task that he was assigned, which was, you know, administrative duties over this asylum. And so even though a lot of the inmates are dead and there's ghosts roaming the halls and there's zombies, Barker, zombies, and good, the, the person in charge of all of this is this little blue pudgy homunculus. Nice. Awesome. Beautiful. I liked it. Uh, uh, yes, we can. Could you try to make up the craziest, strangest festival? <laughs> Could we try? We could try. Do we do? Do we do crazy and strange? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to feel tired again too, so I'm just begging for someone to be like, "Can you please just give me like a regular cookie cutter idea?" <laughs> don't think too much about this. Oh, and that's give me rock. a trope. I want a trope. That's me. I have to go first. Um, all right, so I'm gonna roll you know, this we're not, d12. We're, you know, we're, not, we're not slaves to the dice, you know. I uh, yes, we are, man. This is this is. <laughs> it's I'm gonna, d- I'm gonna roll a d12 to see what month it would take it take place in. So okay, uh, okay all right. So this takes place in um, March. So um, I'm gonna say it has something to do with snows melting greenery beginning to show and I like the idea of all the people in this place that are having this festival they completely paint themselves green This and they paint everything green the entire city the buildings, everything for it is just coated in this green material that washes off with the rains that are to come but for now it's just like picture this emerald city of painted stuff, but it's like haphazardly done. So everything's green, but they're just sh- throwing buckets of this green dye on this stuff. Not dye, but, you know, paint or covering. And they're just, you know, chucking buckets everywhere. Everything is green. All the people are green. You see little little kids that are all covered in green, and they're holding little green. They're dolls that are covered in green. Just everything's freaking green. <laughs> so uh, next... Uh, rolling the slave dice. That's paper, so that's you. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the main features of this festival is one of the first things to come out uh, to begin growing is is this uh, is a particular fungus. And what they do is they make this uh, this this drink out of the fungus, this, this sort of ritual drink that everyone partakes of on the eve of the festival, and and it makes them hallucinate violently. So they, they, they all, they, you know, pretty much people just go running into the streets, uh, hallucinating and seeing, seeing the craziest things. And, uh, what they do is they lock up all the elderly and the children together, uh, who do not partake of this. So you have to be between a certain age. And so the people, the people kind of begin hallucinating. They believe it's, they're receiving messages from, from, uh, uh, from, from beyond. And so, um, some of the people begin scrawling, uh, uh, you know these you know these imagined messages on on uh, on parchments other people are told by the voices to uh to go after their neighbors and so um uh about a tenth of the people are are, are killed during this festival and uh uh it uh, 
uh, and they, they 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 simply accept it, and then they uh, and then they feast on the dead the next day. <laughs> Shit. That escalated quickly. That got that really got out of hand. Parker was like, everyone's green. They're throwing paint on everything. There's little girls with green baskets, and Alex is like, they fucking eat each other. Ten percent of the people get eaten. They goth nugget. Can I? Yeah. I'm gonna jump in one more time. Uh, the Maya, the ancient Maya. You know, they used to play in sacrificial mm-hmm. games. You know, yep. base, a, a ball game, like a sport, mm-hmm. and the losers. I think I can't remember if, the, if it was the losers or the winners that got to be sacrificed, but it was like an honor for people to be sacrificed. <laughs> oh, yeah. People, they would love to be eaten. Man, that would be oh man, bucket list, the last item on it. Okay, man. <laughs> uh, this this entire festival is at its heart uh, orchestrated by the upper crust of this town. Uh, and they use it as a way to uh, control the population and keep the uh, lesser folk under control, basically. Nice. I like it. Very cool, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I love it. Everything's green hey. and happy, and they eat each other. <laughs> I was just like, and when, when Alex was now, saying that, I was just now, like, can, yeah, can we, please, can, yeah. Can we please review the instructions that we were given? As to no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, 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 just, I would just like to point out that I, that I was within the boundaries of... Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I was right within the boundaries you. of the question that specifically requested no boundaries. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is probably going to be our last one before the spider vacuum story. Oh yeah! Uh, oh god! Wow. Yeah, that's right. Idea. This is this your body. It's been flying. Idea you can steal. Big baddest. <laughs> oh crap! We're all about to die. Event. So. <laughs> uh, paper. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Go crazy. <laughs> uh, remember, just so you know, this person requested the biggest and baddest. So. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's it's got to be death from above. Death from above. Um, there's uh, 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 in in this world there there are there are several there are several moons. Let's say, uh, let's make let's change it up a bit. And uh, one of the moons moves moves fairly slowly through the sky. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's further out. And um, and one day it, they see they see this light next to it that keeps growing and growing, until finally the moon itself is obscured and they realize that there is something. Headed for the world that uh, uh, that 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 that's uh, that's approaching, and uh, it it's been it's it's now either big enough or close enough to have uh, obscured the outermost moon. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So, <clears throat> uh, astronomers are seeing this massive object in the sky, starting to blot out stars and stuff. Uh, that scissors, Matt. Matt. <laughs> Matt, go ahead. I think he just took a mouthful of food. <laughs> what are you What are you doing? That, that you need to disable your camera. I was getting egg McMuffins. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> no um, so we're I don't we're talking about. Did you hear it or do you want no. to? Mute it? Okay. <laughs> we're talking about the biggest, baddest. Oh crap! We're all about to die event. And Matt talked about a wizard that uh, keeps people tired. Uh, from the carbohydrates involved in egg McMuffins. 
Okay. I'm kidding. Actually, no. Uh, he was talking about death from above. There's a massive object in the sky that seems to be coming toward oh, okay. the world. And you're next, describing this big bed we're all going to dive in. Okay. Yeah, they don't know what it is, but it's slowly blocking out the stars. And, 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 and most recently, the their, 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 their outermost moon has become obscured. That's awesome. Um, I will say that uh, this object is actually um, affecting the tides and the oceans and the seas and stuff. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's wreaking havoc on coastal villages. And uh, strange creatures are coming out of the ocean as a result of this object getting closer and closer. And it's gravity sort of um, mucking the tides up. Awesome. Yeah, so like earthquakes and uh, tidal, tidal waves and changes like that for sure. Uh, I'm actually going to say that this object is another campaign setting. It's another world completely. And they're wondering what this other object is that's coming into contact <laughs> with them. Um, but during your game... This world will hit, will strike, and everybody will die. And really kind of reaffirm that in the players' heads, like, this is going to happen. But there's also this very important mission that they really have to do. It's like a really, maybe a moral thing that they just have to do. And they, in a way, know it doesn't matter because it's the Song of Ice and Fire, the White Walkers are coming. Like, you know, they know it it really doesn't matter, but they know they're going to die anyway, so they maybe want to go out kind of doing what they need to do to help some people beforehand. So, yeah. Def- and end the, the campaign by just describing the world hitting and then describing nothingness as everything goes away. Uh, try that. So, <laughs> Awesome. So, first of all, uh, thank you all for tuning in to the Roll Up and Die uh, live podcast broadcast for BrigadeCon 2015. Go to BrigadeCon.org to donate to Child's Play. Um, you can find the Roll Up and Die podcast on Facebook.com slash Roll Up and Die. We're on Podbean. We're on uh, the – you can find us on the iTunes. Apple uh, – yeah, iTunes, the Apple podcast uh, mm-hmm. app. Also, you can find it on BeABetterGameMaster.com, although I need to really get better at updating that site, so uh, I'll fix that tonight. <laughs> um, but before we sign off, uh, Matt, you have a story to tell the people that I feel is a very inspirational story. Sure. I feel like, I feel like it's been hiked up to the point where people are going to be like, oh, that's it? But it was <laughs> I don't it. think so. <laughs> it, was, it was something kind of scary that happened to me. So um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, so... Um, I got married this summer, and before the wedding, um, uh, my wife's parents own a big uh, farm, and they have a barn, and uh, on the second floor of the barn, there's actually a furnished apartment. Um, it's a really nice little apartment, but no one had lived up there for about a year or two, so Tila and I went up there before the wedding and cleaned it out so that Tila's family, who were in town, could stay up there. Um, and so we went up there and it was just very cobwebby, lots of spiders and stuff like that. So we, we went up there and it was like these big, just these big leggy spiders in their, in their, in their webs. And, uh, we brought the vacuum cleaner up there and we just started sucking the spiders up into the vacuum. And, uh, that was the easiest way to get rid of the webs and deal with the spiders without them running away and crawling all over the place. So we're just sucking them all up into the vacuum. And um, we get all done cleaning the place out, and I go to empty the, the vacuum, and I open it up, and there's just, like, hell of spiders in there. And I'm like, oh, nope, and I close it up. 
And Taylor's like, well, what are we going to do? And I go, honestly, let's just, we're going to not empty it. We're going to let all those spiders just eat each other and die. And uh, we'll empty it in like a month. And she's like, okay, cool. Sounds good. So time goes on. We get married. Like we're, we, we've been married for a couple of weeks. I've completely forgotten about the vacuum cleaner and um, I have to clean the apartment. And so I go grab the vacuum cleaner and I'm like, wow, this thing is full. I go over to the garbage can and I, <laughs> I open up the vacuum cleaner and out of the vacuum, out of the, the dustbin crawls this massive spider. And it, it was like, oh, it was just the most, like, have you ever been so instantly afraid that you, that it, instant cold sweat? just breaks out all over your body. Just the image of these legs coming, like, <laughs> grabbing the sides of the vacuum and coming out. And I'm like... <laughs> and instantly I go, it ate all the other spiders. This is the only one left. Like, it's Spider Thunderdome, and this is the this is the spider that's made it. So I, I like... And, and it wants vengeance. <laughs> exactly, and it's like, who put me in the vacuum cleaner? Like, it's just been sitting in the vacuum, like, just, like, plotting, like, as soon as this shit opens. I'm killing the first thing that opens it. And I'm not... I, I'm actually not super afraid of spiders. I think they're gross, but I don't have, like, arachnophobia. But this was... I, I was like, oh, shit. And so I dump, I dump everything into the garbage can, and I tie up the bag... And like tied up, and I throw the garbage bag like into the dumpster immediately. Just like, oh my god! So my theory is that that spider is still in that garbage bag in the dump somewhere. Just like, I'm gonna get out of here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get bigger and bigger, and I'm gonna go back to Matt's apartment, and I'm gonna knock on the door, and he's gonna open the door, and I'm gonna be si I'm just gonna say, "Remember me, asshole." But what this story got me thinking about is a, a monster being like monsters being sealed away in a tomb in a dungeon and they're in there for hundreds of years thousands of years and one of them comes out on top and a thousand years after this tomb is sealed adventurers crack it open and they just find a pile of bones and they're like where did all these bones come from like who killed all these monsters it's that one thing that one monster like yeah. Anyway, that was a terrifying spider story. That was awesome, and I yeah. I think I agree. Super inspiring. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, everybody. Check out brigadecon.org. Go to the Facebook BrigadeCon page to get your swag bag. Donate yeah. to Child's Play, please. Uh, but without further ado, thank you very much for tuning up to the live Roll Up and Die podcast. My name is Barker, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnock. Godspeed. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com 
or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.